Hello again, this is Brian Copeland talking. Welcome to another edition of Copeland's Corner. This is a new one, our first new edition uh, of the podcast in a month. Uh, we've been off for three weeks uh, playing uh, best of episodes from uh, from earlier in the run of this show. Um, the reason that I have been off for the course of the last three weeks is because I had a death in the family. Uh, my father suddenly passed away uh, three weeks ago today on Wednesday. And uh, I've been trying to process that. Um, my relationship with my father was very complicated. I did not meet him until I was 22 years old. And then we tried to, to have some kind of relationship. But like, you know, at that point, it's not the same as, as like growing up with your father, you know. So, you know, you 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 kind of play at it, if that makes any sense. Uh, and it's hit me a lot harder than I thought it was going to hit me. It's 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 um, it's hit me. I expected it to hit me when the day came and it was I, I, I can't say that it was sudden. He was 80 years old and he wasn't in great health, so I can't say that it was sudden, but I knew the day was going to come eventually and I expected it to hit me when it came. But I didn't expect it to hit me as hard as it did because there's so many conflicting feelings. Uh, I go into a lot more detail about this um, on my blog. If you don't subscribe to my blog, please do go to briancopeland.com and click subscribe. I write an essay that drops every single Wednesday and it's free. Although I took two Wednesdays off, I wrote about this last week, uh, but I took two Wednesdays off and I've taken most of the last couple of weeks off just in trying to wrap my head around this. Um, I, I have friends who've lost parents recently. Uh, who are around my age and their parents are in their you know, late seventies or early eighties. And some, you know, I have a friend who just lost his mother at 101 and it doesn't matter how old your parent is or how long you've had them. You're never ready. You know, even my friend, whose mother died at 101. Um, he was not ready for that to come. It's a, it's a weird feeling. And especially, you know, I lost my mom when, I, when she, she, I was 14 years old and so this is my last parent. So um, I'm an orphan. You know, I'm thinking about this the other day. Wow, I'm I'm an orphan, and that's it's a weird feeling, you know. And it's weird to say that as an as a grown ass man to call myself an orphan. But you know, there is no generation uh, ahead of me, um, which means now I got to look at the fact that I have more years uh, ahead of me than behind me, which is something else to wrap my head around. So there's lots I'm wrapping my head around. So that's why I've been for the last couple of weeks. So I want to thank you for listening to the best of episodes. But we've got a brand new episode, and I'll be joined shortly by a distinguished panel of comics. And we will talk about the news of the week and, oh, what news we've got this week. This is part of the podcast that we call Headliners on the Headlines. Joining me this week, my distinguished panel of comics, Don Reed returning to the program, Jason Mack, and Maya DiGiorgio making her second appearance on the podcast. Welcome to all of you. It's a pleasure to have everybody. All right. Thank you. Let's do it. 
All right. Well, let's jump in. I mean, there's one major news story, of course, this week that we obviously have to jump right into. And that is uh, yesterday, Tuesday. Again, we record this on Wednesdays. We drop it on Thursday. Uh, Donald Trump became the first United States president or former United States president to be indicted for a crime. And the crime he was indicted for was falsifying business records in the furtherance of another crime, which under New York state law makes it a felony because of the fact that he falsified the records in the furtherance of another crime. And the crime was defrauding uh, the American people as far as the election was concerned, uh, as, as well as a, a violation of, of uh, campaign finance laws. So, um, when you look at all of the other stuff, I've been reading a lot of commentary today about this. And when you look at all the other stuff, you know, you've got the special counsel looking at January 6th. And I just saw just before we went on the air here uh, that uh, that Mike Pence, who has been fighting the subpoena to order him to testify before the special counsel's grand jury about what Trump talked to him about on January 6th has now said he will stop fighting that subpoena. So he's going to talk. Um, so you, you've got that. You've got the Mar-a-Lago documents, which everybody says out of everything, that's a slam dunk. I mean, period. That's a slam dunk. He, he was he was subpoenaed to, to return those records. He did not return the records. They got him on video moving boxes and hiding the records. They've got all kinds of witnesses that say that he knew that he had that he had those documents. Uh, so you've got that. You've got Fannie Willis in Georgia, who's got him on tape trying to pressure the Georgia secretary of state to uh, to to find him 11,000 votes so he could overturn the election. So that's considered a slam dunk. So based on all of this stuff, a lot of this commentary is saying that this what he was indicted for yesterday really wasn't enough. And people are not going to take this seriously. And that even people who want to see Trump held accountable are looking at this saying this was a stupid mistake. This was a dumb thing to indict him on. So thoughts. Um, can, can I say that? Um, first, I was talking to Stormy the other night during the <laughs> event that we only, only she wasn't there. Just to, you, you mean you were streaming Stormy? Yeah, the other it, night. it was. It was on. on it was online with thirty thousand other people. But that's besides. <laughs> um, um, but what, what I wanted to point out is, um, as I understand, the Washington Post was talking about the fact that this uh, less important less um you know gravitational case proves that they're not trying to do an orchestrated pick this one pick that one this is the one that came up it wasn't some orchestrated process of like let's all get together and bring the most important case this is something else he did wrong that it was time to address but there was no lineup of it you see what i'm saying yeah, I see what you're saying. However, what's interesting is, is the next court appearance is not scheduled until December. So that's like eight months away. And and some of the speculation is, is that the reason that the judge set this next hearing so far out is because he expects other indictments and other more important indictments that are going to no. come over the course of the next eight months, in which case uh, they can give those priority if necessary. I think it's crazy that they got him for uh, paying his sex worker, which is the only honorable thing he's ever done. 
That's <laughs> oh, funny. So all the time, you never paid anybody for their work, and look what right, happens. Right. Yeah. That's why yeah, you never I, pay I, I feel like um, one of the things is is that you 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 can't not prosecute him on where he's wrong and where he's broken the law. And I think that what's happened is it's almost like being in a relationship with a um, an abuser. He's got the abusive person. And America's having the same relationship with this guy who just is completely psychotic and spins everything and everything's everyone else's fault. And then you end up in a state where everyone's traumatized and nobody really knows what's the right way to go. But I, I think that, you know, this is something that he did. He broke, he broke, um, these are felonies. He broke campaign, you know, uh, these are campaign violations. And there's also, you know, we we're still, you also missed the one other thing that they're going after the uh, Jean Carroll, the E. Jean Carroll uh, yeah, civil suit. I forgot for about that. That's right. That, um, that's week and, after next. That's in two all weeks. This, now, it, what I feel like is that every time, every time a case comes, they are laying out more and more of his character. I mean, you're seeing this guy's character, even if you're chipping away at the little thing and people are saying, well, it's too small. Well, you know what? If, if they still go after him for the January 6th, that's going to be federal. And he's not even going to be able to, um, if a Republican gets in, they can pardon him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the key is, is it to chip away at his character to do what the, each state is required, where the laws were broken. It's 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 not right for them to not go after him. If he broke a law in a certain state, he should be he should be equally as charged as everyone else. Now, it's interesting yeah, that you mentioned the pardon. pardon. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. go ahead um, no. But the E. Jean Carroll thing, I mean, like once you come out, like just because it's one case, when they start to open up all the evidence, you start to draw a clearer picture. The people who are non-believers and don't want to hear it, and these are, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene said yesterday that he was being treated as badly as he's he's the America's Mandela. She actually compared him to Mandela. <laughs> yes, she Mandela and Jesus. And Jesus. And Jesus. Not say that. Yes, she yeah. did. hundred percent. Yeah. You're kidding now, look, me. Look, people have said a lot of crazy things around who who's Jesus. So at that point, I don't even. Refer, but when you say Mandela, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Like. You know, I'm just going to start confronting white people and saying stuff like when they come over and say, you don't really believe Jesus is black, do you? I'm saying you don't really believe Jesus is Trump. <laughs> <laughs> There's always that was a, a crazy that was a question. bit that I used to do about about why Jesus wasn't black. And it's because the Last Supper wouldn't have been sanitary enough for black people. He's <laughs> just saying, "This is my body. Take it, need it." Like, do you have to put your nasty ass hands on everybody's bread? That's hilarious. You out there touching That's hookers and strippers and everything? And you know, touching my bread, expecting me to eat it? You know, this is my body. Plate, this dude. is my blood. Drink from my cup. Not have to add your lips on that cup. I ate. <laughs> Stop leaning over my plate, Judas. <laughs> Now, you 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 mentioned uh, Maya, you, you, you mentioned pardon and that, that this is an interesting uh, take that's come up over the course of the last 72 hours. Uh, back in 1974, when Richard Nixon resigned the presidency, there was a very, very real chance that Richard Nixon was going to jail over Watergate. Pretty much his entire administration went to prison. His attorney general went to prison. And there was a real good chance he was going to go to prison. And Gerald Ford pardoned him. 
And the reason mm-hmm. that Ford gave for pardoning him was that it would tear the country apart and it would make it even harder. You're talking about another couple of years of litigation. The country mm-hmm. had been through enough to put the country through another couple of years of this to further polarize people, to further tear the country apart. It's not worth it. Let's just pardon him and let's move on for the state state of the country. And at the time, there were a lot of people who were angry. But as time went on, uh, people began the, the consensus, the national consensus became that that was a profile in courage and that Ford did the right thing. And in fact, that 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 one action is credited with Ford losing reelection to uh, to Jimmy Carter. The fact that he did that now in the last 72 hours, uh, there are a lot of historians who are saying who are reexamining that decision and saying he made a mistake. Because if he had allowed this to go forward and Nixon had gone to jail, it would have served as a deterrent for people like Trump. And it would have served as a deterrent because they would have thought, well, you know what? I I can't just do whatever I want because I'm president. There are repercussions. I can still end up in an orange jumpsuit. I I don't I don't think that Trump would have would would ever adhere to that because he thinks he is entire. His entire life has shown that he thinks that he is untouchable. And he's thought that his entire life. And the truth is, is that. To this day, even with the sorry, sorry, Don, um, to this day, no one's gone after him. Remember how everyone first said it was Trump on the January 6th and then they all changed their minds. So no one's touching now, Trump. Yeah, his his whole uh, behavior uh, is indicative of someone who is unaware and willing to do anything. So that wouldn't have done. I mean, when you think about he's got 34 counts on just this one thing connected to finance, uh, political, you know, violations. Just think of all the other things he's got going on mm-hmm. as proof that that's his behavior. That's who he is in this narcissistic, <laughs> you know, well, he's never he's never been held accountable for any. I've read every much every book that's come out about him. Um, Mary Trump's book. And and uh, the one that I would recommend is the Maggie Haberman book it could be, because she's been covering him since pretty much the beginning of his real estate career. And she followed him all the way up through his years in the White House. And those nights when he was, you know, up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep. For some reason, he would call her like like uh, like she was his therapist. Excuse me, like she was his therapist or something. And uh, and one of the things she talks about is, you know, she tells a story. A couple other books have told the story of when he was like four years old, he was throwing rocks at a toddler. And the toddler's mother came over, you know, I guess grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and took him home and told his mother, you know, she, you know, he's throwing rocks at my little boy. And his mother said, okay, and did nothing. There was no spanking. There was no grounding, no repercussions. And that's how it's been his entire life that somebody's always either gotten him out of it or he's been able to bully his way out of it by threatening to sue people or if he was being sued by threatening to drag people, uh, you know, through court for so long that it wasn't worth it for them to continue the suit. He's never been held accountable. The most telling thing from yesterday is there was an NBC reporter who was there when he was being fingerprinted and the report in real time said that what what Trump said was they're not really going to arrest me, are they? And that they said that's the second that it sunk in. That's the second that it sunk in. They're not really going to arrest me, are they? 
because wow. he's never ever been held accountable for anything. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the demeanor that he had in court, if you saw the pictures of him like a deer in the headlights, and 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 he very demurely said not guilty. And then, of course, you know, had his speech last night and, and ranted and, and, and raved. You know, this is the first time he's been held accountable for anything. But it's, I mean, is, it took him seven now, years. But but thinking but, about uh, how Ford part Nixon, we can't have that in this case at all because of things like January 6th, because of Mar Largo with highly sensitive materials. You let shit like that go. Excuse me. Uh, you let things like that go and you've got a major problem on your hands. Yeah, no, the guy, the guy, I'm a New Yorker. So, and my uncle used to work with Fred Trump. He was in, did all the banking for like Citibank uh, commercial real estate. And my aunt was in charge of, she was like the number one real estate developer in Manhattan. Someone was talking about everything he touched turned into trash when he took, tore down Bombwood Tellers. And and same thing, she took over the plaza from him. Everything that he he just let, yeah. Because that was his first big project was the plaza. That that was his his entree into into Manhattan real estate. Yeah, and she said that he he covered all of the beauty, the beauty of the place and turned it like this tacky gold. So she took when they when the Fifth Avenue Club came down and took took over the plaza and decided to go condo. My aunt was the one who had to do the entire design and pull everything out of there. She was, she was in charge of that. And so, so like, so they, they are historically, she's like, he, he never, she worked with the same developers. He'd never pay the real estate people and contractors. Um, He would run everything up and claim bankruptcy. He, but when my, when Fred Trump used to call my uncle, the head of Citibank, for money, he said that when as soon as Trump would Donald would call, everyone's like, "Oh, please!" He would show up with he said he would show up like in ski gear with like two blondes on his arms, like he was like a clown. <laughs> he was like a clown, and, and, and that's it. You know, if you've ever dated a guy with that same personality, I da- I used to date a guy, and I just could you could not get rid of him. He was just you know I used to try to hook him up with other women just to be like, please just go away, <laughs> you know, and I just could not get rid of this guy. Um, it's the same ego. And I, I thought it was just this guy not realizing that America, oh, there's uh, like half of America is still locked into this mentality. I mean, you know, you look at what happened in Wisconsin um, with yeah. the new judge and all the, the first thing the guy says is, you know, who lost the, the other judge who lost says, oh, well, she's she's a criminal and she's a this and that. And she, I'm like, can they get a better script? They're talking the same script since Black Reconstruction. Yeah. You know, it, it's the same dialogue, the same you know, we're they're repeating the same words. It's getting it's getting dull, but the world is believing that and they want to be. There's a whole bunch of men in society that want to be just like him and they don't care about the rules. They just well, want to be I will, right. I, I will but, say something that that will get me is going to get me in a lot of trouble for saying this, but but I, I, I've said it. I've not said it publicly, but I'll say it publicly. And that is that that primarily Primarily, I'm not speaking about everyone, but primarily Donald Trump is the president of mediocre white men. He, rep- <laughs> he, 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 he represents he represents white men in this country who have failed in life and need someone to blame for their own inadequacy. Uh, so the fact yes. that they blame them, they, they, they failed in life is not because they're mediocre. It's because of those people. 
It's because yeah. of immigrants. It's because of women. It's because of people of color. It's because the poor are taking our jobs or we're paying money out of our paychecks mm-hmm. for the poor. It's it, they, they don't take any of the personal responsibility for their plight that they demand that everybody else does. So he is the I mean, you listen to the people who, who are the diehard supporters. Now, those are the ones who are the diehards. The others, um, I saw John Meekham, uh, the uh, the historian who wrote a great book on on uh, the first George Bush a couple of years ago. And I saw him in an interview last night and he is a Republican, a sane Republican. And he says that mm-hmm. when you talk to other Republicans, even the sane ones, the problem that you get is, yeah, they know all the stuff Trump has done. They know about him separating, you know, kids from their parents at the border. They know about the racism. They know that the KKK endorses them, but he'll appoint the judges they want or but he's going to give them tax cuts. So they're willing to look the other way. As far as all Mm -hmm. this other crap is concerned, because they're going to get their tax cut or they're going to get their judge or they're going to get their one specific issue that is is something that's going to benefit them personally. And and that I find despicable. But that's how the old guard always was. It was the old guard. Never. It was never about what was right. If that was the case, women wouldn't have to fight for rights and we wouldn't have been in slavery and Jim Crow. It's never been about what's right. And that is what's hard because as a minority and as a person of color, we are always, always held to a standard. It's, it's a constant. Everything you do is you're all your, your people are weighing against absolutely everything that you do. You know, they, it's not that way. They do business. This is how they've always done business. It's not about it's about what they want to get their little thing and, and they could care less. And, you know, it's 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 really scary because even in the comedy world, going out and having to be in front of that kind of audience, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a little they don't they miss it. You know, they, they've completely you know, I was I was talking to a guy on I was on a cruise ship last week. Embarrassing enough. So I'm working a cruise ship. <laughs> guy comes up. We start having this conversation. I know he's a Trumpster. He's telling me how all these cities he goes to. All these white people in like these cities, like in North Dakota, keep saying, I have a lot of land. You and your family are welcome to live here if you want to get away from all this, because they literally are that diehard Trump. And the guy is telling me the story. He's like, you know, I was with you know an uncle of mine. He got in the car with this. We were in this cab and he got in and called the driver the N word, you know, and he said and he kept saying, I was like, you can't call him that. He said, but they and we said we got out the car and my uncle said, it's okay." Because that's what we all call them in Virginia, and they don't have a problem with that. I said, maybe you should ask the driver, not ask your uncle if it was okay. And the man was wow. having, he missed it that much that wow. he didn't say, let me ask the driver. And he was the nicest man. And I think his wife kind of was like, maybe you shouldn't be having this conversation with her. But <laughs> uh, honey, it's time to go to, honey, it's time to go to dinner. I know that was the exit point. But it was a strange thing because he was genuine. Like, why do we have to change? And it's not us. It's just like this weird society that is coming between us, like us and black people. And we always call them that word. That's what we say. And it's like, so why is why are they mad now? What do they want for their anger? So they're missing the whole point. You know, you know, it's interesting. I I was reading an article um, last week. I, I love cruises. I, I that, to me, a cruise is like the best vacation. I don't have to get off the boat. I won't play one. Great times on I'll, I'll never play one be, because I don't <laughs> I don't want to be stuck on a boat with my audience. 
and nothing against my audience. <laughs> I, nothing against my audience. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy anytime people are willing to pay money to come and see me. And, and I'm honored that they're willing to do that. But that being the case, when I'm done, I don't want to be, you know, standing next to you in the buffet for the next seven days. Yeah, you know, no, I, uh, yeah, I hear you. But, but the article that I read, though, is that they're finding that the majority of people who are on cruises are from red states. Those yeah, are the well, majority of people yeah. who are on cruises right now. That's what happened when I was on because I'm on and I look like I'm white. And then I started talking and they started to discover I they got they got the different. They weren't mentally prepared for the show that um, I have to do. And, uh, you know, like I had one guy at the end of the show. He's like, you need to come to South Carolina. I said, I would, but I can't. He said, why not? I said, because you lynched my uncle. And he was (laughs) he went he he went to high five me. And I said to him, I can't. And he was they were doubled over with laughter, all these rednecks. And this guy was doubled over. I said, I can't high five. you." He goes, I said, I can't high five you because it was true. I said, but Ooh. if you want to feel better about, you know, reparations, you can buy my album after the show. I'm selling these <laughs> digital download cards instead of reparations. I won't get in the reparations line if you hook me up. And it was like, but to get them to that place, to get them to that place, but they don't really get it. They think they don't get it. It's it's so foreign. They don't hear it. They don't know it. If you were to tell, and they don't want to know it. That's why they're fighting critical race theory. They don't even know. And there's and and but you know what? They don't want to know about women either. You know, a woman starts to talk. These are the guys that are like, ah, she's talking again. Oh, yammering on. Who wants to hear that? You know, and now you got women saying that women don't want to hear about other women's play. Oh, you know, so what? He hit on you. Oh, so, you know, somebody raped you, you know, <laughs> like what is me? Too, is me too over? I was reading. Um, I was reading something in Variety where they're talking about in Hollywood that Me Too may be over. Now the Weinstein's in jail, and you know, and and, and oh yeah, the, yeah, the two, the two, that. <laughs> the two guys that did it. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> two guys. You know, it's like ninety-five percent of Hollywood is is Weinstein and Cosby, and then I'm like, oh, they got two of them. It's done. You know, it's like yeah, it's the same thing as racism's over because Obama was president. And people did say that. I can't believe how many times. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Uh, you, you know who Oscar Grant was. Everybody knows how Oscar Grant, who was uh, they they uh, they made the movie Fruitvale Station about uh, mm-hmm. about, 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 about his murder. And mm-hmm. I was interviewing his uncle. I interviewed his uncle on, on radio and on TV a number a number of times. And his uncle told me that uh, during one of the, the first hearing, I believe it was, uh, they were going to bring up race as a factor in the killing of Oscar by Johannes Meserly, who was the cop who said he was reaching for his taser, but accidentally pulled his revolver and shot him in the back while he's handcuffed and on his stomach. And the judge said that he would not allow race to be brought into the trial because, quote, we gave you a black president. Unquote. We gave you a black president, so this is not an issue anymore. That's what the judge said in court. And I and, and my reaction was exactly the same as yours. Mm. I go, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, it's over because we, we gave you we 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 gave. Thank you. That was awful nice of you. That was yeah. awful nice of you to give us a black president. You know, uh, let me let me. Uh, uh, Switch gears just just briefly for a second, because we're, we're talking about Me Too and Hollywood and stuff. Um, 
at uh, you know, usually when when you, you catch these politicians who have been involved in something that is salacious, um, like, you know, like what was it, Larry? Larry Craig, who uh, was soliciting um, men in, in the men's room uh, or 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 Bill Clinton with, with the Lewinsky thing or, you know, there, there are a whole long list of them. And usually when they do their mea culpa, the wife is sta- and I've never understood why they do this, but the wife stands right next to him. Right. While they do their mea culpa. And she like you've humiliated the woman enough. And now mm-hmm. she's got to stand there while you talk. Well, you know, I'm not perfect and I have moral failings and I've got some work to do on myself and on my marriage. And they say, you know, and, and she's standing there. She's got to stand there and listen to this. Well, Melania Trump didn't go yesterday when when <laughs> uh, when he was when they were more than that. She didn't go. Not only did she not go, she didn't go to his speech last night either. And I was reading in Vanity Fair this morning that she's still pissed about oh, Stormy yeah. Daniels because she she was, you know, she had a five month old. She's got a five his five month old kid at home. And he's uh, he's, uh, you know, screwing porn stars. I, I, I'll be honest. RSVP, with you. RSVP, I don't think that's RSVP, right? I'm sorry. She RSVP off. I, yes, that's, that's hilarious. That's I don't I don't think she's I don't think she's mad about Stormy Daniels. I think she knew what she was getting into. She knew what she was getting into. I don't think she's mad about that. I don't think there's any anger. I don't think there's any love loss. She she knew what she signed up for when well, she hooked up she with him. She could never expected to be this public. She could have never expected no, to be respected. No, no, no. I, I don't. I, why? All of his affairs were this public when he ran off with Marla. Marla, what's her name? Mar- Marla um, Maples. Yeah, that was on the that was on the front page. That, how do you think uh, the New York Post? And, 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 and the headline, the headline of the New York Post I was think, quote I think, the best sex I ever had. That was the the Marla Maples. Yeah, quote. that was the quote. Okay, so what do you think is going to? What do you? What, she knew what she was getting into. She didn't come over here because she wanted some moral little life of a nice husband and a child, and she was pregnant. We don't even live in that society anymore. I mean, come on. She got over here. She got what she wanted. She got her money, and she has to live with that big oaf and the dumb stuff he says on camera. Could you imagine how much what he says at home? I'm like, come on. She's probably like, please go. I, I will try to hook you up with one of my friends. Like I'm sorry, if you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever hooked up with a guy that is even a, a broke version of Trump, she knew what she signed up for. She wasn't, she wasn't some, unless she was one of those girls that he picked out of a, the show, like she was 12 years old and then they got married. I mean, like th- women are not, we, women are highly aware of who we hook up with. Oh, and sometimes ask you a question. the money well, and the wealth is worth it. And now she doesn't have to be around him. That's her. That's her payback. Would you, if, if, if you were married to a guy who did something like that, and I won't say necessarily a rich guy, but just a guy, you know, in well, a, a, a politician, somebody in the public eye who did something like that, would mm-hmm. you stand next to him while he did his public mea culpa? Would you stand on that on that dais next to him? I won't even go on a date with the guy when I know he's messing around like that. I'm like, if you think for one minute, all the money you have, I am not going, you know, I can't even tell you, I wish I was smarter. I wish I was smarter or le- or more stupid because the Lower standards. very, Lower standards. very, very super, super famous guys, super successful guys that I said, and you think for one minute, I'm going to mess around with you because you can't get yourself together. Who do you think you are, man? I couldn't even get I couldn't even keep the dating going. 
let alone keeping the, I, I just don't come from that. I come from a, a line of strong black women in my family that do not keep, they do not play for one second. So no, I, 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 I wouldn't even have got down the aisle with that. And I got enough women in my life that will tell me straight the same way that's be like, you don't want to date him. Why? He's ugly. What? You don't want to have some ugly babies. We got good looking babies in this family. <laughs> like, you know, if they'll, if they'll go jump on a guy for being funny looking, you know, and they'll be like, he's kind of funny looking. Papa wouldn't have liked that. Yeah, like, funny, okay. looking. Uh, <laughs> funny looking. Oh my God. That's my grandmother. My mother. Yeah. He, that boy's kind yeah, of funny exactly. looking. His eyes are a little close together, ain't they? <laughs> Oh yeah, exactly. And, and and like we don't we don't need any funny looking babies. Like the last thing they would allow for me to do is to be around a guy that was like this. That you know what you can tell that type of guy unless I met a guy in high school and then he blew up and then he became that. But as a grown woman, you kind of know who's in the fast lane and who yeah, isn't. Yeah, but there are you're... sociopaths, though, Maya. There are there there are are, are men yeah, and I women date, I, who, who I are, are sociopaths, and I, you have I no idea one. who they who they really I, are. I dated one, but you do know who they are because what they do is then they start a cycle of abuse. They all start a cycle of abuse where you can't get out of it. And by the time they're dealing with that abuse, abuse, Trump is such a such an abuser that he sends a nation of women into the domestic violence support groups. Mm-hmm. A, a nation of women went for help because he was exactly who all of us have been trying to get out from underneath. And so a lot of women, like the phones were ringing off the hook at the domestic violence centers because we started to see that it's not us in a relationship with one of them because they blame all the abuse on you. And so, yeah, I've been through that cycle. So when you've been through that cycle, you are just happy to be, if you're close up, real in close in firing range of that kind of personality, you are happy if they move on. You are happy if they cheat because you become their property. They don't care about you. They just want to manipulate you and make you feel like a terrible person for not being with them. So at this point, I could think Melania could care less. She could care less. She didn't even want to move to the White House when he moved to the White House. Remember, she was like, we're paying a million dollars a day for her to stay in New York. It was costing taxpayers a million bucks a day. And and come to find out that the reason she stayed there so long was she was basically blackmailing him to renegotiate her prenup. That's why it took her so she the, the, the cover story was she wanted to let Baron finish out the school year. And what was really going on was she was renegotiating her prenup. You can see it in the shots, even in the shots when he walked up to the White House to get to get sworn in. Obama had to go back down the stairs and walk Melania up the stairs. He is he it is all oh he won't hold her hand. He it is all over exactly who he is. So I'm Seven telling you, members. we see him. We, well, good. I'm sh- thank God. Thank God. But when you've been close up with that kind of abusive personality, you you see it. It sends everybody. I'm not kidding. Why do you think we had that march? Because all of us have been in that situation. That march was we could. Oh, my gosh. This is we know exactly who that guy is. When well, he started to this. Yeah. Did, did that march accomplish anything? So you know, yeah. we walked around with their with their hoo-ha hats on. And, yeah, it did. And made their voices heard. Okay, so what did it change? What I mean, you know, what, what did he still appointed judges? Had he not been elected president, you'd still have the right to choose in 50 states. Had he it not changed, been elected president? Yeah, yeah. What it changed was an army of women in the nation realized that they were being gaslit. 
and got to a point of saying, I will not let this happen in any stage of my life. Because you don't realize when you're going, when you're a victim of domestic violence or that kind of personality uh, being in the, in the firing range of a narcissist, you are taught, they isolate you, you're isolated. They make you think everybody hates you. They prey on all, they chip away everything that you have belief in yourself. And so when he got on and all of a sudden, all of us as women started to say, oh my gosh, I've had to deal with this as my bosses. I've had to deal with this in my home. I've had to deal with my, my ex, my husband, my boyfriend, my used to, all of us got together and said, no, like we said no more for us. We got to see it. You, when you see somebody else go through it and it's identified for what it is, then you realize, oh my gosh, it wasn't me. I've been holding myself back because of someone like this. And so the unity of women together the unity was uplifted, that we all, we have broke from this idea of us being individual gaslit women that can't stand up. And that's when Me Too and all that stuff really kicked off. It was well, I, all of that. I, I wonder whether or not we could get an, a national restraining order. It is, if, you, if you've ever been, if you've ever been, because so I'm a, I am technically, under the state of California, I'm a domestic violence survivor. I dealt with the exact personality of Trump. And when that stuff happened with Access Hollywood and those few things that bubbled up, and Lawrence O'Donnell was like, this is what abusers do. Then after listening to Lawrence O'Donnell, I went and I found support. I did not have the confidence to do stand-up. I had quit every career. I second-guessed myself. I was a nervous wreck, 15 panic attacks a day. And when wow. that happened, I realized that it's not me. It's not my fault. And no one prepares women for this kind of personality. Yeah. So when you saw all these women rising up, it was all these women who have literally had been in firing range of those kind of personalities. That's enough. And, and I will tell you, I was a child who grew up in a house like that. I was a child who mm. grew up. My, my stepfather abused, well, not just my mother, but abused all of us, was violent with mm -hmm. all of us. And, 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 and it's, I'll tell you what it does to a kid is it, it completely skews your um, perspective as to what's bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you mm -hmm. can have an argument and 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 the argument is like, we had this terrible argument this morning. What, ter what terrible? What cops didn't get called? That, nothing got broke. You know what? what yeah, it, it completely skews on, on, on the scale how you look at things. Um, let me uh, briefly change. Yeah, everything's tied into, into what's going on because this, this is historic. Um, if you watched MSNBC's coverage last night of uh, of this whole situation, um, when Trump was giving his speech, uh, Rachel Maddow uh, said on the air that they were refusing to air Trump's post arrest <laughs> remarks on M um, MSNBC because they weren't newsworthy. She said, quote, as far as we can tell, He's repeating the same lies and allegations against his perceived enemies. And there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. For now, just know that it's happening and we're not taking it. Now, hmm. do you think that this was the right? Of course, Fox carried it word for word. CNN carried most of it. But do you think that this was the right thing to do? You got the right yelling that, of course, MSNBC censored the president and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it, it's like when she stopped, they stopped carrying his brief. Remember when he was doing those daily briefings during the during the shutdown and they turned and they they 
devolved into something where he, it was just a platform for him to come up and spew nonsense. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and she and, and Matt, I was the one who said, why are we carrying this? Unless there's something for him to say, we, the media shouldn't carry it. And the media stopped carrying it. Um, so do you think that was the right decision to be made yesterday? That the, And by the way, what she said was true. You know, he attacked the prosecutor, Alvin Bragg. He attacked Alvin Bragg's wife. He attacked the judge. He attacked the judge's wife. He, he, he called the special the special prosecutor. He called him a, what, an sociopath or a lunatic or something like that. We know that his subtle and not so subtle calls to action can create extreme violence. So that gag order on him has to happen with stunning alacrity. That's got to happen soon and shut him down because he's going to get somebody hurt. Yeah, he is. I, I'm surprised that there wasn't a gag order in, put in place yesterday, but they're saying that the to basically set him up. Yeah, the judge. Yeah, I think the judge did a great job of setting him up because this guy's not going to shut up and something's going to happen. But I think she did. I laughed out loud when she said that. And I think that we wouldn't be in this position if the media stopped letting him act badly and give him a platform to act badly. That's what's going. That's why we we have what we have happened. He, he became president because the media gave him the space. The media is allowing it. You know, there's got to be a point where we shut down the lies. And that's what's interesting, too. The lawsuit, the Dominion. Uh, the yeah. Dominion uh, voting machines, you know, I think that it's a wonderful news. time. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful time. When it costs them billions, they might actually hear it. Well, yeah, the thing is that that might, three weeks. That might be kinda, another. Sorry, I think that's kind of how he became president is he just was saying crazy crap every day and that gets eyeballs. So he was getting all the coverage. So, you know, a lot of it is just the way the media has operated for years and somebody comes out who's crazy enough to keep their eyeballs on and enough Republicans and enough uh, people in the middle voted for him. And and they, they, they did some studies after the 2016 campaign and the coverage that he got was disproportionate to the coverage that other candidates and Hillary Clinton got. I mean, there, there were times when when you when CNN had, had a camera on his jet being fueled, saying, yeah, he's going to be getting on. The, he's going to be getting on this plane soon so that he can fly to his next campaign stop. And, and in the meantime, while they're talking and doing their commentary, the camera is on, on them putting gas in his jet. I mean, that's ridiculous. And in fact, there was some of that yesterday in terms of, of following the motorcade. They were comparing it to OJ and the slow speed chase because it was like the same. It was the same shot of them following the motorcade of him leaving Mar-a-Lago to get to his jet. And, and uh, here's something that, that I didn't know. And that is um, the average the average jet. In America right now, the average, you know, if you fly on American or you fly on Southwest or whatever, the average plane is 15 years old. His jet is 32 years old. His plane is 32 years old. And prior to him owning it, it was owned by Air Mexico. So he's flying around in a plane that was used to be full of Mexicans. Isn't that hilarious? There's some irony in there. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's going to <laughs> Good way to, to tell everybody that. That's that's funny. Yeah, yeah that's that's where he got his plane. Yeah, plane. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
let's let's uh, let's end with with that with this since we we have talked uh, we've talked a lot actually about misogyny um remember not long ago when don lemon on cnn made that remark about when um uh, when nikki haley announced she was going to run for president and she's 51 years old and he said that she's not in her prime and Ooh, one of I... his female co-anchors stormed off the set and the other female co-anchor like followed her to try to talk to her, you know, and it became a big brouhaha uh, and, and, a, and a national discussion. I mean, you even had Michelle Yeoh mention it in her acceptance speech when she won Best Actress at the Oscars. And uh, I, I saw a thing not long ago that, um, you know, he, he, he you know, did a mea culpa on Twitter and then went back on the air and never mentioned it again. And I saw a thing that says that most people have forgiven him for making that statement and he's he's surviving that statement. Well, there is an article in Variety today, today, Wednesday, that if you get a chance, uh, look at it online. That's just brutal about Don Lemon. He's got a really? 20 year history, a Don 20 Lemon? year history of of misogyny and, and, and in terms of how he has treated the women he's worked with, how he's treated co-workers, how he's had diva behaviors, what is what they've called it. Uh, he told a co-worker to her face that she was fat. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> he told a, co- or a female co-worker to her face she was fat. Uh, in 2014, he was interviewing a Cosby rape accuser uh, who who uh, said that Cosby had forced her to perform oral sex on him. And he and he said, well, why you could have stopped the attack just by biting his penis? Why didn't you bite his penis? Oh, man. Um, in uh, in September, uh, a, a fellow anchor uh, by the name of S.E. Cup, who I'm not familiar with. I don't want CNN very much. Uh, and she uh, is a woman anchor was having trouble stumbling over a statistic about Republicans. And Lemon said, quote, is it fair to say this because I'm not a mommy, but is that mommy brain? <laughs> and, she, and she said and she got angry, not angry, but it was an awkward silence. And she said, no, it's not mommy brain. I just forgot what I was trying to say. Um, he Lemon has said recently that the U.S. men's national soccer team should be paid more than the women's because the men's is, quote, more interesting to watch, unquote. Uh Oh, um, he, he um, so Soledad O'Brien was uh was was given the the high profile job at cnn of hosting a a docuseries called black in america and he threw a hissy fit saying she wasn't black and she identifies as afro-cuban um she's from the bay area and, and in fact i remember she's trying to channel forward channel four was the nbc affiliate here which is a local anchor and she identifies she, you know she's she's part as i recall part cuban part african-american part irish hence the o'brien and and some others but he threw a hissy fit saying that she wasn't black uh so there is a long history he mocked nancy grace on the air you know, uh, Nancy Grace was on CNN doing something. And then he uh, when she got done, he like, you know, imitated her and mocked her on the air. Um, well, it sounds he, like sounds like he's about to get a job with Fox. <laughs> <laughs> There's a place for us somewhere, a place for us. Uh, all right, let's let's leave it with this. How how do you think this plays out? My my prediction is that 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 Alvin Bragg 
uh, broke the ice and that you're going to see Fannie Willis's indictment next. And you're going to see at least one uh, one federal indictment from the special counsel. And it's all going to happen before December. That's what I what I predict. I predict that Alvin Bragg is going to be convicted. He's going to win his case, but it's going to end up being a wrist slap. He'll he'll get a fine. He's not going to probation. I think he'll get probation. I think it's going to be more. I think based on the billion dollars uh, lawsuits connected to Dominion and this voting impact that's changing some of the way that people look at voting. I think what's coming out of Georgia with him tampering and saying, I just need 11,000 votes. I think that's going to rear its ugly head sooner than some other things and have a lot of impact because of that billion dollars, that money at stake changes. $1.6 billion. There you go. And, I think and that's, that's not means- counting punitive damages, you know, and the, the, if if they if Dominion wins, the jury can then award more money to punish Fox for for the behavior and punitive damages. But I think but they're going to win. I think right. that's also that may also turn out to be just the beginning of their lawsuits, too, because if they if they if they get win this case, then I, there's so many companies and people that can go after Fox now. That's correct. Because it's so it's just opening the floodgates. Yeah, I think opening the floodgates is a good term here. I I don't think you can keep uh, talking about judges and prosecutors and stuff like this without the legal community kind of turning on them. And I think a lot of people are going to have the uh, the bravery after this, after seeing him act like this and after seeing enough cases come against him that it's just going to keep coming. But you've got his cult. You got to remember that you've got a, you know, he he is the king of the Republican Party. And yeah, and also something like 80 percent of Republicans believe that the election was stolen and 80 percent, 80 percent of the Republican Party believes his lies. Yeah, I don't know how you get a fair trial. I don't know how you get anything that has a jury to not have one person who can't throw it all off. So I I don't know if he ever goes to jail, but I think there's going to be a lot of cases. Mm. It's it's I don't think it's Democrat and Republican. I think it's the intelligent people who have some education and some are self-aware and have some integrity and are accepting of the changing world and that we all are part of America. And there's those who aren't. And it's it really comes down to um, you know, we, we're not we're losing. There's they're banning Catcher in the Rye and to kill a mockingbird. So it's really comes yeah. down to how many people can be educated and stay open as opposed to digging, digging deeper in the sand. And, and, you know, this is awarding more of the, these types of people with, you know, with, um, with high position and money. And how much of this, how much of this are we willing to take is really what it boils Mm -hmm. down to, because there are a lot more of us than there are them. When you, when you look at things like book banning, when you look at things like choice, when you look at things like like reasonable gun control, you've got 60, 70 percent of Americans in favor of it. Yet we are being ruled by the tyranny of the minority. Because mm-hmm. of gerrymandering and dark money mm-hmm. and everything else, it's the minority that's making the rules. And yeah, and, but I and think also that that base has expanded in the last 15, 20 years. It's not. The politicians are a symptom of the people. This is the right wing has expanded and gotten more extreme. And I don't know when you can just flip a switch and change that. 
Yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah, the right wing uh, has gotten certainly the right wing has always been extreme. What's happened is, is that in the Trump presidency, the right wing has been normalized. That's what Mm -hmm. the difference is. They've always been those nuts have always been. They were they were John Birchers in the 60s and the 70s. You know, Mm -hmm. those nuts have always been around. It's just now they have been mainstream. But but it's the gerrymandering, which is why that Wisconsin judge um, election yesterday was judicial election yesterday was so very, very important because now instead of a Republican minority, conservative minority on that bench, they've got a liberal minority or a progressive minority that is going to do some things such as, uh, for example, in, in Wisconsin, the voter registration is basically like 50 50 Democrat and two Republicans, like 50 50. But because of the way they gerrymandered the congressional districts, it's something like 70 percent of the seats go to conservatives. Because mm-hmm. they've drawn the lines in such a way that unless you're a conservative, you can't. Win. Why do you think Marjorie Taylor Greene is is in is sitting in, in, in the House of Representatives? She's in a gerrymandered. Why do you think George Santos is sitting, you know, is, yeah. is sitting in, in the House of Representatives. They, they were in gerrymandered districts that that all you had to be was was the Republican on the ticket and you, you won. Did anybody have a bucket? I need a bucket uh, to let go of what I may have eaten when you mentioned Marjorie Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I cannot. I cannot stomach. I, I can't. I can't. Well, she, I, you know, she's a big fan of Mandela. So. <laughs> Isn't she like she's the daughter of the woman who blew the whistle on Emmett Till? Oh, God. <laughs> and that she's woman's like, still alive, by the way. I just read an article about her. She's still alive and she's still, you know, they're still she, trying to prosecute. She's 82, 83. They're still trying to find something to prosecute her for. Either that or she can run for president. <laughs> And she'd win. That's the frightening mm-hmm. part. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Win. Uh, Maya DiGiorgio, where can people see you? You can see me. Um, I, you can see me in D.C. next week. And I'm back at Laugh Factory after that. I'm back in L.A. Or just look me up, uh, Million Dollar Maya. And I have a, I have a new podcast, too. Called Maya. Maya don't know what the boop she's talking about. Thanks, Don. <laughs> <laughs> so when are you coming to the Bay Area? Um, I'm going to find out when Don's how long Don's show's going because I will come up there for it. I'm just getting back. I'll be back in L.A. in about a week. Oh, you'll come to Don's show, but you won't come to my show. OK. Right. I, yeah, I, that's I, how I, it is. No, it's OK. That's how it is. I understand. No, I didn't know your show was up there. No, oh, so. oh, it's OK. Don't worry about it. It's all right. It's, I'll be up there I'm, for fine. Both. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not. I'm, 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 ow, ow, school, I'll, that, I'll my butt hurts. What is my butt hurts? <laughs> I'd love to see both of you. Now it gives me something even more to do. Uh, get out. Nice save. Uh, yeah. uh, Don Reed. Don, Don, he's got a, a wonderful show that I was able to produce this past weekend, but I was not able to see, unfortunately. But standing ovations every night, and I hear nothing but fantastic things about it. So I'm going to come out and see you in Berkeley. Tell folks about the show. Yeah, it's a, a, a great show. I had a great time in San Leandro. It was just outstanding. I love that Best of Solo series you produce uh, each year. But it's uh, the Never Too Late show. It's my story of uh, navigating through Hollywood and life to try to rise up in late night television and the laughter, the deceit, and the vindication attached to that. I'm having a great time doing it. 
with licenses from the Tonight Show, uh, starring Johnny Carson and HBO and Film Magic, and it's at the Marsh Berkeley through the end of April, and then be in New York uh, for three days, um, connected to the National Comedy Center, who also gave a license as a part of the show. So we should mention, too, when you talk about the licensing from the Carson estate and the likes that there's a lot of video in this show. So, yes, so, a lot of so, it's a multimedia a women show is it's quite mm. a ride. It's my best work ever. Well, I look forward to seeing because all your work is superb. So if this is your best, this is I, I don't know how this is your best with with your other work being so good. So I, I really got to go and see this and I will see this soon. All the, all the subscribers just absolutely love love what you did this past weekend. Thank Jason you. Mack, where can we catch you? Uh, Sacramento real life comedians. That's uh, this Friday and every first Friday at 9 p.m. And tickets are on Eventbrite and stabcomedytheater.com. Again, uh, and my solo show, Grandma and Me, an Ode to Single Parents, has been extended at the Marsh in San Francisco through April 29th. Uh, I am doing Ooh. Saturday nights. So uh, we've got a, a, a four or five more uh, performances, and then uh, it, it'll, it'll probably move to Berkeley, I guess. Uh, but uh, we're going to be in the city in San Francisco at least through the end of, uh, of April. So for tickets, you can go to themarsh.org where you can also get tickets for Don's show, that same website, or go to briancopeland.com. Uh, Maya DiGiorgio, pleasure having you. I hope you come back and see us again soon. Thank you. And uh, Don Reed, Jason Mack, always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. And that's going to wrap it up for this week. We'll be back with another live brand new show next week. I, I uh, am done with my time off. So we'll be back next week. If you like the podcast and you want to support us, people always ask, how, what can we do? How can we support the podcast? It's real simple. And that is just tell people about it. Just tell people about the podcast. Tell them what it is that we do. Send them a link. Uh, to the to the show to get them to listen. Uh, it, another thing that really does help and that's really simple is if you would give us a five star review wherever it is you're listening. If you're listening on iTunes or anywhere else that allows you to review us, give us a five star review, and that does help people to find the show because uh, you know they look at the listings and it shows that we're, we've got five stars, so they'll want to check us out. So I hope that you'll do that. So uh, until then, um, I will see. I will. Uh, we'll see here. Talk to you next week. Be kind to your neighbor. He knows where you live.